Hello and welcome back to Cup of Joe with Tim and welcome to 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. And welcome back to you, Dr. Tim Lorman, President and Vice Chancellor of Q. How was your winter break, Tim? It was great, uh, Josephine. I went into the break feeling very happy and optimistic and that good feeling continued through the break. So I uh, spent a lot of time with my family and my dog. Awesome. And went to BC and relaxed and I did some spin classes for the first time. Oh, was, how uh, did you like that? Uh, it was pretty challenging, but uh, <laughs> I made it through. Um, so yeah, it was a great break. Thank you. Awesome. I'm also feeling fairly well rested and ready to tackle a new year. And our podcast is certainly ready to bring on new guests and bring you more stories about our Q community. So our first guest of 2024 is Mr. Jim Gendron, the chair of our Q Board of Governors. He's a community advocate, a history buff, and a huge cheerleader for Concordia University of Edmonton. And on this episode, we're going to talk a bit more about the historical significance of Q and how we're going to continue to contribute to our community today. You're going to want to stick around for this, so see you after the jump. Happy New Year. Jim, and welcome to the podcast. How was your holiday break? Oh, thanks, Dr. Lorman. I'm pleased to be here. Josephine, nice to see Hi. you again. Uh, it was good. It was relaxing. Um, I, I didn't do any spinning. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe I did, but it wasn't the same kind as you're referring to. No, it was an excellent break. We enjoyed the time off. And uh, believe it or not, for a guy that doesn't work for money, I'm fairly busy. It's not, <laughs> not the holidays. Anyway, great to be here. Thank you. And the new year is often a time for goal setting and resolutions, although I didn't make any this year. Uh, but what, if any, resolutions or goals have you set for 2024? Well, I have a continuing one, Dr. Ooh. Lorman, and that is to be a better person. <laughs> it, <laughs> That's it a takes good work. goal. <laughs> it takes work, and it's been in the process for decades. But I, I <laughs> think um, I wouldn't call it so much a resolution as more an application of my time and effort. And I think I'm doubling down on my role as chair of the Board of Governors of Concordia University of Edmonton, and I'm, I'm pleased to be in that role and excited to work with uh, essentially a, a, a new board, and for the most part, uh, five new members, uh, a number of other associate members have been elevated to the board. Uh, it's going to be a great year in 2024 for the Board of Governors. I'm really excited about it, Jim. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's super. And so one of the things that we talk about here on our podcast is that everyone has a Q story. So we want to talk a bit about your Q story, Jim. So many of our board members are alumni or industry partners with Q, but you actually joined our board of governors as an interested community member. So tell us a bit about kind of what led you to the board and what's kept you here. Yeah, sure, Josephine. That's an excellent question. And, and, uh, Although initially I felt like a bit of an interloper, I got to, uh, I got to know Concordia University of Edmonton quite well uh, during my time, of course, on the board and, and now as the chair of the board. But prior to that, uh, Dr. Larman, uh, I, and uh, one of the leaders from the Bellevue Community League were actively involved with the Exhibition Lands Planning Okay. as uh, participants. And uh, through that process, I got to know Dr. Larman quite well. Uh, well enough, anyway, Dr. Lorman. <laughs> and, uh, and Dr. Lorman actually, uh, because of my community work, invited me uh, to join the board, make application to join the board. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to pass muster and uh, <laughs> be selected to the board. I, I do have a background. Uh, background. I have been um, dedicated 
to to being a better board member. I've, I've been a chair of uh, of uh, a couple of boards, uh, not for profit boards, as well as a vice chair of, of uh, another not for profit board. Mm -hmm. And since 2014, I've been a member of the Institute of Corporate Directors, and uh, the learning and the, the opportunity to um, again become a better person in this case as a as a board member uh, presented itself, and I saw the opportunity to join uh, Concordia University of Edmonton's Board of Governors as kind of the pinnacle of that learning and that opportunity. And I continue to learn. Uh, that hasn't stopped. And uh, again, pleased to be here. So I, uh, yeah, I came through, uh, through the connection with Dr. Lorman, through my community work, mm -hmm. and really appreciating, uh, at the time, the potential and the role that Concordia University could play in our community. And do you also live within this area? I as do. Well too? I do. Yeah. I live in the Highlands. Uh, uh, walking, I'd say, I'm about four blocks from oh, Concordia University. Oh, that's Redmond. why we see you here so often, that's too. Well, that that's and you're one of the just, reasons. like I said, a big yeah. cheerleader of everything we do yeah, here as well. Yeah. I, I do like to drop in. I had to come by yesterday to do a little bit of administrative work, financial administrative work. And uh, first day back after the holidays, it <laughs> was active, man. Yes. It was great. Everybody was enjoying meeting each other again, renewing acquaintances. I saw a few new students arriving who were navigating with their cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and everybody just kind of excited to be here and glad to be back. Mm -hmm. It's really, it is quite inspiring. The students are very inspiring. Of course, that's an important part of why Concordia is here and something that I really value as uh, being connected with Concordia is watching those inspiring students uh, move around campus and, and be the participants that they are. Absolutely. So it was really great uh, on Wednesday, yesterday, to see all the students in that new student bistro and cafe area. I thought it was really vibrant and it was wonderful to see that open mm -hmm. and functioning. Um, but Jim, uh, prior to retirement, and I know we call this uh, working but not for money, uh, <laughs> you worked as a, a park planner uh, in Prince Edward Island and then you had some time with Alberta Recreation and Parks, followed by several years working at Alberta Energy and Natural Resources. So you've got a very rich knowledge of land management and land conservation and this gives you what I think is a pretty unique point of view on our board. So how do you think your experience in land management affects you and how you govern on Concordia's Board of Governors. Great, thanks for that question, Tim. And uh, I'll think about that for, okay, I'm ready to answer. Um, <laughs> that that uh, nice summary of, of that part of my uh, time of life, working time of life, um, that uh, lasted until 1986. 19 Oh, man, I'm going to date myself. From <laughs> 1974 to 1986. Following that, I, I uh, joined the consulting sector. And I think uh, the value was in the process and relationships that processes and relationships that I built in those experiences that, that you just noted as a public servant. But I, I found that in the consulting sector, I was able to get additional experience. The first consulting job I had working for a person that uh, ran a, a financial uh, assessment and business planning 
uh, consultancy. And uh, that's where I'd like to think I learned a little bit about that financial management planning. And I think that that's been a huge help to me. I've continued to uh, build on that over the years and pay attention to it. Um, then in uh, 1989, uh, myself and another fellow set up our own consulting firm, and it was a management consulting firm. We did a lot of public sector work, as well as some private sector work, particularly in uh, public involvement and uh, uh, management, uh, uh, process management, meeting management for uh, uh, petrochemical industry, uh, coal industry, uh, as well as the public sector. And, and the experiences that, that I had, uh, uh, actually forestry sector as well, with a, what was called a landscape advisory group. Um, and, and what I, I gained there, I think, was my appreciation, and, and I just note this, it sort of comes to the fore recently in my mind, uh, is the indigenous, uh, appreciation of indigenous roles. There was a very strong indigenous presence uh, on our landscape advisory group, and the people representing First Nation Métis people uh, were very specific, very uh, pointed, very constructive in their commentary, and I learned a lot about uh, their communities, about them, what the interests, the issues, the needs, concerns, opportunities were. And I, I think that that's been particularly important. So the financial side of things, the relationship building side of things with the public sector, which continued, <laughs> I hope, uh, the financial uh, learning and opportunities that I had and the application to business management, as well as, again, learning about uh, uh, resource management uh, on, on a, in an applied sense through, through industry opportunities, uh, as well as, again, relationship building uh, with the Indigenous community members that I knew, uh, has, I, I think, uh, are, are things that I bring with me um, and that are, are important to me as I, I go forward in the Board of Governors. And I think, again, going back to the Institute of Corporate Directors and the learning there, plus my previous experience on not-for-profit boards, <laughs> I like to think I'm bringing all that into I've uh, dated myself just a little bit earlier, so I've been around for a while, and uh, I'd like to think I've gained something from that, and I'd like to think I bring that to uh, the Board of Governors, and hopefully to this podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating that um, kind of all of your experience has really led you now to this, you know, life after retirement where you're continuing to give to the community through your experience. So that's really, uh, that's really something when you kind of look back and have that hindsight. Yeah, it is, as I say, almost, uh, gee, I hate to, this almost sounds like the end, but I hope it's not <laughs> a culmination of all my experience and learning. And, and as I continue to learn too, um, that, that it's really starting to be applied. I'm starting to, uh, I think, uh, bring, uh, all my learning to bear, well, all of it, uh, most of my learning to bear and, <laughs> and creating opportunities for others. I think it's, uh, my my own personal motto is service before self interest, so I'm I'm trying to apply that as I as I participate with the Board of Governors. Definitely a servant leader amongst us, that's for sure. And uh, one of the exciting developments that you have seen as a board member during your time here is the acquisition and the historic designation and the rezoning of our McGrath campus. So with this recent rezoning, we're now able to use the campus for more student-oriented programming, which is super exciting. Um, can you let us in on kind of what the board has planned for McGrath in 2024 and beyond? And how will students specifically benefit from these plans. Yeah, thanks, Josephine. Um, th this 
interestingly is a conversation I think we should have at the board <laughs> in a little more detail than we have. The board is obviously acutely aware of the fact that uh, McGrath campus is an integral part of the Concordia University of Edmonton campuses, now that we have two. Mm-hmm. Um, the acquisition, first of all, the acquisition of the campus, I think Dr. Lorman deserves a lot of credit for that. The previous residential owners uh, were uh, kind of in a spot, in my words, uh, with the sale of the property. Uh, they, they really cared for it. It was the Braxmas. They really cared for it. They really appreciated its role in the community and had been excellent uh, uh, relationship builders with the community. The Highlands Historical Society, for example, was allowed to host tours through the McGrath, McGrath campus, uh, the McGrath mansion on the McGrath campus. Um, and and uh, it, it really did build some relationships. So when... Uh, the McGrath Mansion and the property came up for sale. It was really um, uh, a unique property. Uh, as a residential property, it was very difficult. It required a lot of uh, intervention, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of money. Fortunately, the previous owners had the ability to intervene and fund the improvements that they made. But really, it is more of an institutional building. Dr. Lorman recognized that as the potential for one uh, a great addition to Concordia University of Edmonton, as well as, uh, uh, hopefully not putting words in your mouth, Dr. Lorman, but uh, <laughs> as well as a real uh, strong community feature that mm-hmm. needed uh, protection management and and the opportunity to kind of continue in a way that would allow community access uh, through the neighborhoods, through the city, that sort of thing, and and the the events that occur on the McGrath campus now on the on the uh, property around the McGrath campus, there are are three uh, during the year, and uh, our corporate secretary Judy Crusade deserves a lot of credit for these happening. There's a there's an event uh, uh, at uh, Halloween that mm-hmm. invite and with community invitation to participate. There's a, a light up. Uh, of the McGrath. Light Up Ada Boulevard. Light Up Ada Boulevard, thank you, uh, at the McGrath campus uh, during November. Uh, then there is an Easter event that invites, again, the community and uh, uh, the younger members of the community in particular well, uh, to, to come and participate in an excellent Easter egg hunt. Uh, as well, during the open doors uh, period, it's uh, an historical um, uh, event that lasts a week throughout the city of Edmonton and beyond. Uh, that the McGrath campus is provide. Uh, pardon me, the McGrath Mansion is uh, uh, accessible uh, with the support and partnership of the Highlands Historical Society. So people get a chance to go in, tour, and appreciate the interior of the mansion. Now, in terms of uh, of its use, uh, again, Dr. Lorman, through uh, his great organizational sense and skills has uh, uh, identified it as, as a, a site for uh, the offices of the folks that will be doing a lot of community outreach and relationship building uh, uh, with not only the campus, but with the community as well. So there'll be some, uh, some office, uh, offices placed there. Um, it's also used currently as well for seminars, meetings, uh, small seminars, meetings, as well as, I believe, uh, musicians go and uh, use the space to to practice as well as perform. Uh, 
uh, as part of their uh, studies and uh, and learning. So it, it's it's just tremendous. And the, and the rezoning was very well received by city council. Our uh, our uh, ward councilor Ashley Salvador is very supportive of uh, the work that Concordia University has been doing, and and uh, in, in placing McGrath Campus at the center of the community. So so it's, it's been tremendous. And and uh, again, thanks to Dr. Lorman and his initiative around it. So there's a long-winded response to a very simple question. <laughs> and maybe, Tim, do, do you have anything to add about kind of future use for McGrath and maybe what students can kind of expect from that particular campus? Yeah, so, I, you know, I was going to emphasize that any uh, Concordia instructor or prof can uh, book uh, McGrath Mansion mm -hmm. to, to hold classes in there and take students over there. But also, you know, we're going to be encouraging more and more our student associations to make use of uh, McGrath Mansion. So Excellent. there'll be um, a whole sort of um, array of programming that will be um, that we can now schedule thanks to the rezoning. Um, and But of course, some of that will be dependent on code compliance, which we still have to do through uh, some of the some of the place. So oh, as, as the years unfold, um, so will our uses of McGrath. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's really, it's, it's very exciting to me. Um, sure. But now speaking of uh, Edmonton history, uh, Jim, I know that you, uh, both you and your wife, Melanie, are, are history buffs, uh, and you have a, an appreciation for the tradition and, and how times have, have shaped uh, institutions and, and vice versa. And Concordia, we're, we're turning 103 years old. Now we're in, we're, we are an indelible part of the Edmonton Highlands Bellevue community. Um, so would you be able to share with our listeners how you think Q has shaped our community and how we might continue to contribute to it in 2024 and beyond? Yes, thank you, Dr. Lorman. Um, uh, again, uh, through I, I keep congratulating Dr. Lorman because he's <laughs> worth it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, when I just prior to joining the Board of Governors, I'd approached Dr. Lorman about building relationships with the neighboring communities. Uh, that was when the, the new academic building uh, was proposed. Uh, some of the uh, conceptual designs, architectural designs, have been completed, and. Um, Dr. Lorman had encouraged the architects, well, uh, directed the architects to reach out to the community and talk about the designs and, and the potential uh, need for, uh, uh, to account for, sorry, to account for uh, neighboring residences as well as the neighborhood. Um, where, where that led was I, I suggested to Dr. Lorman that maybe an administrative policy around uh, community engagement and relationship building might be important. And Dr. Lorman agreed. So uh, I drafted up a document. Uh, Dr. Lorman and uh, his executive uh, scrutinized it, uh, got a legal opinion, and we now <laughs> have an administrative, administrative policy that uh, identifies uh, process and methods for uh, relating to the community. I think that that uh, is foundational uh, to uh, Concordia going forward. Um, one of these, again, a quote from Dr. Lorman said, we've been here for, at the time, 99 years, and now we're going to reach out and, and meet with the community about what we do. <laughs> and, and, and the community, in, in, in my experience anyway, has been very positive and very responsive to that outreach. Um, again, from a historical point of view, obviously, I've 103 years uh, in this place, 
has been important. Um, and it's well known as a university. And I, I, I think is uh, going to be uh, more formative uh, as the community moves forward. There's a lot of changes. I mentioned the exhibition lands earlier. Uh, that is going to be a major, major development that will change the face of our neighborhoods in a good way, I believe, um, and the opportunities for uh, partnerships uh, with both the uh, Expo Center, it's always starting to emerge with uh, the leaders of the Expo Center, as well as developers that will uh, uh, take advantage of the opportunity to build the exhibition lands out. Uh, I think there will be a lot of opportunity for those partnerships. Um, in terms of uh, research uh, and, and historical partnerships and shaping the community, one of the things that the Historical uh, Society uh, has done, Islands Historical Society has done uh, as a result of the money that they've received through those excellent tours of the McGrath Mansion is to create a scholarship. Hmm. Uh, the scholarship is specific to historical research. So I, I think there's going to be some real... Uh, really tremendous opportunities to be able to build on that both through the community as well as uh, specific to the McGrath Mansion and the role that it's played. Uh, another fabulous person that's part of Dr. Lorman's executive, Barb Van Ingham, uh, provost, uh, mentioned to me in passing that the uh, drama uh, uh, faculty is interested in maybe uh, launching uh, a production related to some of the heritage figures in the neighborhood. Mm, uh, and they, they mentioned the, uh, the weather woman might be uh, somebody they're thinking of. So it's starting to, it's, we're starting to connect uh, community history to Concordia University. And I think that's a, a great thing. And, and uh, again, thank you, Dr. Lorman, for creating that opportunity. Um, uh, but but uh, through my participation uh, with uh, the Board of Governors, and personally with Concordia University, I'm going to continue to encourage these relationships and, and, and their build-out. Yeah, and I would add to that as well, too, that we have a lot of opportunities where we involve members of the community as well. So we've got tons of fine arts performances that we invite our community members out to. We have those wonderful events that you mentioned at McGrath um, that occur on a kind of cyclical cycle. And we also have just a ton of opportunities for people just to join things. Like for uh, this past Remembrance Day, for example, we had a small Remembrance Day ceremony outside on our front lawn. We invited members of the community to that. And we also have um, a community relations page on our website that's very active where we post and amplify kind of what else is going on in and around this neighborhood so um, I definitely think that we play a big part as being good neighbors and I think that that's a point that we really pride ourselves on as well yeah yeah that's a good point Josephine and I think I can add the initiative of the town and gown organization mm. which is uh uh, representative of the community leagues, surrounding community leagues, uh, Highlands Historical Society, the Highlands Golf Club. And there was an opportunity this past September 1st uh, of its kind, and we're hoping it becomes annual, where each one of those interests and organizations contributed to a community days event. Mm -hmm. And it lasted for the whole day. And there was a, a Concordia's contribution was a, a fantastic uh, presentation, outdoor presentation, by some of the members of the Concordia Symphony uh, organization at the McGrath Mansion. So, so again, that was our contribution. There was a meal. Uh, at uh, Bellevue Community League in the evening. Uh, there was uh, 
I think it was the original Ghostbusters down at the Highlands <laughs> Golf Club. And as well, there was a, a, a well-attended pancake breakfast in the Highlands Community League. So, so again, we're, we're starting to build. And when I say we, I mean Concordia University of Edmonton. We're starting to build mm-hmm. those community relationships. Pardon me. And the focus was, uh, was brought to bear, again, by uh, Dr. Warman inviting those community members in those folks being very receptive and seeing the opportunity and wanting to build it out. So Josephine, I'd like to really reinforce what you just said. So thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing that you're a bit of a history buff, as you know, on our podcast, we like to play a little game at the end where we, uh, you know, just have lighten things up a little bit, but knowing that you're a history buff and we're going to pit you against Tim and we're going to do a little bit of Edmonton trivia. So you're both, you know, came around, you're both relatively newer-ish. You didn't grow up in Edmonton, so I feel like you're on equal ground here. So hopefully <laughs> we will find out from the, the two of you who is the Edmonton history buff. And so it'll be first one to get three correct answers. So are you both ready to play? Yep. Okay. <laughs> that was a tentative yep there, Tim. <laughs> right. All right. So first question will go to you then as our guest, Jim. When did Edmonton first become a town? Was it in 1795, 1867, 1892, or 1904? Was that town or city? Town. Town. Mm. Uh, I'm going to pick the 1897 date. And, oh, you mean 1892? That was no, the sorry. Yes. 92. Yes. So you're correct. Okay. So thanks. good job. So Jim gets one point. Ding. <laughs> All right. Next question over to you, Tim. This is a little trickier. Who was the first mayor elected for the city of Edmonton in 1904? So you have four choices. A, Matt McCauley, B, William Short, C, W. McKenzie, or D, Don Iveson? Matt McCauley. May I answer that? You may. It's Mr. McKenzie. You are correct. (laughs) Okay, you know what? Since you stole that one from Tim, we're going to give you two points (laughs) (laughs) now. Now, let let me tell you, Josephine, why I know that is that the house that he lived in as the first mayor is on 111th Avenue in Islands. Oh, so you've inside info on this. It's currently... currently, if, if, if you want to read My Hearts in the Highlands, you get a lot of this stuff. But anyway, <laughs> buy it. It's available at Manlin Books. Anyway, Perfect. There you go. Highlands Historical Society. So, so I happen to read that page. But, uh, yeah, it's owned by a couple of folks that actually are in the Highlands, uh, rented to uh, some tenants, and they're interested in getting it uh, designated through the Highlands Historical Society. Just get a plaque on the outside of it. So, it's yeah, it's an important building. Uh, and it was owned at one time by... Uh, 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 Mabel Holgate, uh, who was Bidwell Holgate's wife. Uh, yeah, so there's a little historical. List. Cool. What yeah. chance do I stand? <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Okay, so then you know what? I, just to even things out, since he stole that one from you, I'll ask you another question. Oh, Hopefully no. this one will be easier. I didn't know this one, though. Okay. So I got to pre-warn you for that. What is the official flower of Edmonton? Is it A, the tulip? Is it B, the dandelion? Is it the C, wild rose? Or is it the D, the marigold? It's the marigold. You're correct. Yay. I guessed so, it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I had no idea, but the marigold. 
I would have guessed dandelion based on uh, how some of my neighbor's properties look, but you know, <laughs> marigold it is. All right. So the score as it is, is two for Jim, one for Tim. Okay. Next question goes to you, Jim. This is a tricky one too. Sure. The capital region has one of the highest concentrations of First Nations in Canada. Mm. How many First Nations would you find within a 100 kilometer drive of downtown Edmonton? Is it five, six, seven, or eight? Wow, that's great. 100 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a map? <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to have to guess on this one. Let me count the ones in the region that I'm aware of. It's going to be either six or eight, but I have to pick one. Can I phone a friend? Uh, <laughs> this isn't uh, that kind of game show. <laughs> uh, darn. Um, I'm going to go with six. You would be incorrect. Uh, it was actually eight. Eight. It was oh, eight. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it still stands at two one here. All right, Tim. Next question to you. When was the first community league established? So is that in 1917, 1921, 1968? I'm going to go with 1967. Uh, 1917. Surprising. Oh, sorry. Were you going to try to steal that one? I wasn't going to. Okay. So I was surprised to learn that as well. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Okay. So you have a chance here to win it all, Tim. So I'm going to put it as It's like a shootout, Josephine. It is. It is. Pressure's on. All right. What Edmonton High School formed the first Edmonton grads basketball team? Percy Page. Well, let me read you the options first. Is it A, Victoria Comp? Is it B, Oliver School? Is it C, McKay Avenue School? Or is it D, McDougal Commercial High School? Oh, sorry. Percy Page was a coach. Uh, Can I have those again, please? Victoria Comp, Oliver School, McKay Avenue School, or McDougal Commercial High School? McDougal. Can I steal it? McKay? You cannot steal it because oh. Jim's right. Oh. Congratulations, Jim. You win Man. and you've proven you truly are an Edmonton history. Yeah, How can well I lose every competition? <laughs> I'm going to have to start skewing some of these in your favor here. Jeez, making it look bad. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Jim, for being such a wonderful ambassador for Q. You're always the first to volunteer for our events, whether they be Easter at McGrath or attending a Thunder game or being front row at one of our fine arts performances. So we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be our first guest of 2024. And I uh, personally appreciate all your contributions to our board and the, the positive atmosphere and um all of that, that sort of thing that you provide to our board. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Tim. And it's, it's my pleasure. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying uh, being part of Concordia University of Edmonton. And uh, all those things you mentioned uh, about the great things that Concordia has to offer that I get to attend and participate in, I'm going to add one more. And that's the uh, Concordia Symphony Orchestra. I've just mm, uh, recently discovered Daniela and her excellent organization. And I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a big fan. And, and uh, uh, it's just a number of fabulous offerings. And I, I, I'm hoping that, again, that these can be promoted throughout the community. We're making, uh, making efforts to do that. So I think they're really valuable. As Josephine says, the campus has a lot to offer the neighbors. Uh, the programs, uh, the sporting events, 
all of the opportunities here are, are just great. And again, Concordia, I see, is the center of our neighborhoods and, and something, uh, a, a location and an organization that's really important to build on. Yes, so, uh, again, I, I appreciate being here, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to have participated. Thank you. And thank you to all of our wonderful listeners to con for continuing to support our podcast. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Whether you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at podcast at concordia.ab.ca. And uh, just a couple of announcements to close off our first podcast of the year. The Concordia Students Union has implemented the U-Pass. So it's not too late to get your ARC card registered for this public transit bus, bus pass. For more information, head over to our csa.ca or drop by the Student Union office. So that wraps up our first podcast of 2024. And over to you, Tim, to sign off. Well, wishing everyone a wonderful 2024. Bye for now and be kind, do good and lead well.